Today's show is brought to you by SoFi. Whatever your next goal is, get there sooner with a personal loan from SoFi. Low rates, no hidden fees, no kidding. Learn more at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit SoFi.com slash legal for more information. Loans originated by SoFi Lending Corp. and are not available in all states. This show is supported by Willis Towers Watson. They decode cybersecurity by looking at risk across your company's people, capital, and technology. Willis Towers Watson assesses your vulnerabilities, protecting you with the best-in-class solutions and helping you recover quickly from future attacks. Details at willistowerswatson.com recode. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the person on the street telling you to stop looking at your phone for fuck's sake, unless you're reading Recode.net, of course. But in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today, I am once again handing the reins over to Recode's senior social media editor, Kurt Wagner. Also Kurt Wagner. He recently spoke to Facebook's head of messaging, David Marcus, at the company's headquarters in Silicon Valley. Before he came to Facebook, David was president of PayPal. Now he oversees Facebook Messenger, which has 1.2 billion users. Take it away, Kurt. Thanks, Kara. I'm here at Facebook headquarters, uh, the old headquarters, not the new headquarters, with David Marcus, who is the head of all Facebook messaging or messenger. David, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm good. I have a million things I want to talk to you about, but I want to kind of set the stage here because we're at Facebook HQ but the old HQ, you guys got the new big building across the street, but this is building 15. You guys slum it over here, I guess, at the the old sustainable home that, is, that was Facebook, or I guess still is Facebook. Uh, is this your building specifically here? Do you guys have the whole thing or what? Yeah, so we actually moved back from um, the new fancy building 20 to, okay. it's not actually that fancy, but we, and we came back to uh, the old, what we call, Classic campus. Classic campus. What was the what was the impetus for that? Well, you know, we kind of ran out of space in the other building, and I personally prefer that side of the campus than uh, the other side. I think you know the outdoor space is nice, and the fact that we could have uh, all of Messenger under one roof. Uh, was a big driving force because it's kind of a, a nice space for the team to get together and to really understand that, you know, this is the, the messenger. Team. Yeah, so you guys are all, all together. I didn't know you could run out of space at the old one, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, so I want to kind of get into how this whole thing is structured. But before we do that, I, I, I want to hear a little bit more about you. So you and I have interviewed, I've interviewed you a bunch of times, we've chatted a bunch, but um, I was realizing as I was preparing that, that there's still a lot about you that I don't actually know. And so maybe we could try and figure out how you made it here to Facebook. Um, I know you were born in France. That's correct. How do you get into tech entrepreneurship from, you know, from France? What Did, did you go to, to school to be, you know, were you interested in tech from your childhood or what? Uh, I actually fell into tech very, very young. So I, had the, I was fortunate enough to have access to uh, a PC when I was eight years old and was completely fascinated by 
the world of technology uh, from that age. And then uh, I grew up in, in Switzerland, actually. I was born in Paris, stayed there until my early teens, moved to Switzerland after that uh, with my parents. And, um, and then, like, followed the typical Swiss kind of framework of, you know, you're going to work in a bank or something. Okay. Um, but, um, but went to uh, university in Geneva, then um, dropped off for family reasons uh, where I needed to go to work to support the family okay. overnight. And, um, and ended up working in a bank for a year, which I really didn't like. I and didn't know that was the real the real thing that happened. I guess I thought that was just a cliche. But no, no, it's not. It's the banker it's, thing. It's the right? thing. And then I, I actually realized I didn't like being in a bank because, like, I was working in all kinds of financial related things while building all of the PC infrastructure of the bank on my free time. And in '95, the telecommunications market opened up in Switzerland. Uh, and I decided I was going to build a, a fixed line telco to uh, start to compete with the established incumbent in Switzerland, and that was the beginning of uh, me starting companies. Were your were your friends like, "Yo, man, what's the deal? We're bankers over here. What are you trying to get into this telco stuff for?" Yeah, it was pretty much that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the vibe. So uh, you get into the telco industry. I believe you started. Uh, you've started a handful of companies, right? Three, three did, or yeah. four? Um, yeah. I, I, uh, GTN was the telco, okay. which I sold in 2000, um, and then started Echovox, which was kind of this mobile media entertainment company, mostly focused on on the European market, which actually created another company called Vox Telecom as well, and Zong, um, right. which ended up being the company that I came here to the Valley to build. Zong is what brought you to Silicon Valley. Yes. Well, tell people what Zong is. What's a name, by the way? Did you come up with that name? Well, I, we wanted a really short yeah. uh, URL. Uh, punchy. It's very punchy. punchy. And that worked, with, that had a dot com that was affordable. Uh, and <laughs> okay. so that did the trick. How much um, was it? Do you remember? Uh, I can't remember, but it was not that expensive. Okay. And uh, Zong was, uh, and still is actually without the brand, but still operates under, uh, under PayPal, uh, a mobile payments company that leveraged the carrier infrastructure and mobile operator infrastructure to uh, process payments. So we basically cut deals with about 250 mobile operators around the world. And at that time, it was really focused on digital goods. So that was my first interaction with Facebook uh, in 2008 when Facebook uh, had uh, you know the first virtual, virtual gift stores right. and then Facebook credits and all these things. And so basically, if you were buying a virtual cow on a virtual farm on Farmville and you were using your credit card, you know, halfway through entering your 16 digits, et cetera, you're like, you know, what am I doing? Um, right. And so removing all kinds of friction from the payments experience with uh, mobile payments was actually very effective in uh, increasing conversion. So I could buy I could buy my my fake farm or whatever through my telecom provider, yeah, and then they would just bill me with with the rest of my bill. Correct. Um, so I, so I guess I didn't realize. I mean, you I, I knew, but I didn't realize that you kind of been working with Facebook for quite a while. Then yeah, Zong gets acquired by PayPal. Correct. You had a nice job at PayPal. You were, you, you were the president of PayPal, right? Well, that didn't happen immediately. So. No, but it was over a couple of years. Um, no, actually, it happened pretty quickly. So <laughs> okay, I, so uh, it did happen. Not immediately, but so I joined uh, and took over the leadership for the mobile group at PayPal. 
that was focused on building the mobile side of the house, which needed to really be the next big thing because people were moving away from desktop to mobile. And uh, and then five months ish in. Scott Thompson, who was then leading PayPal, left for Yahoo. Um, and uh, to my surprise, a month later or so, I was asked to take over. That's pretty uh, immediate in the world of executive shuffling, I would say. It is. Yeah. It's I mean, fast. Yeah. It's fast. So uh, my point being, though, you had a nice job. You had a good job at PayPal. I've, I've always wanted to ask you, what led you to want to come to Facebook? I mean, you're you had run a lot of startups or you'd grown your own businesses here you were joining a company that was not a startup anymore it was very big what was like did mark zuckerberg give you a call like what was the recruiting process like yeah it definitely started like that uh (laughs) but no i mean the big thing is i think that actually being the a president slash CEO of a very large uh, public company uh, is is very overrated. I, I, I'm not sure that uh, a lot of uh, those CEOs are actually that happy, although they can't say or yeah. they can tell um, because you can't ad- admit that it's like not a happy place. But it's not a happy place. It's uh, it's and especially if you liked to build impactful things and be involved in the creation process of great products. Uh, you don't get to do that much. Yeah. You are focused on culture and processes and making sure that things and that all the trains leave on time and, and that you actually can drive the future of the company in the right direction. That part is actually quite interesting. But uh, we went through a massive, massive culture change at PayPal um, when I took over. And um and, you know, we were coming to on the other side of it after, you know, having acquired Braintree, after uh, really re-injecting some talents that could actually uh, basically bring PayPal back to its technology roots. And at that point, I was starting to think about moving on. And, um, and that's when Mark reached out. And at first, I'm, you know, I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I don't think this is right. right. But he had a very compelling vision for the future of messaging and how important messaging was going to be in the world, and especially the assets that were uh, early stage at that time that Facebook had and the unique position that we had to actually really have a a massive impact. And and that ended up convincing me. What was his pitch to you? I know you said it was compelling. I think at the time, Messenger was still just a part of Facebook. It was the one-to-one chat option but within the facebook app at that point was he like hey we're going to spin this thing out it's going to kind of be its own yeah business already did he know that yeah uh and and the messenger app already existed back then it, but you still had the ability to message within the facebook right uh app and uh and there was a real vision here of building uh, an important uh, platform for the world using the assets that we had. And uh, and uh, it was a very compelling vision over the very long run. And when you think about all of the platforms that come of age, messaging seemed to be at that time, according and, 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 and through Mark's lens, a really big and important platform for the next decade. And, and then I'm like, okay, you know, um, I can go start a new company, I can stay at PayPal, I can, you know, go do other stuff. Uh, But it felt like the opportunity of building a huge platform that connects not only that would connect over time, 
billions of people and now we have 1.2 mm -hmm. billion people using the, the product every month. Uh, but also on the other side, tens of millions of businesses and, and create a very compelling platform that would completely reinvent how people communicate not only with one another and their loved ones, but also interact with businesses and services of all kinds. Uh, was a very compelling proposal, especially at that scale. Right. You said you said that being, you know, running a publicly traded company isn't always as glamorous as perhaps people think. I kind of think of you as the CEO of Messenger. I know that's not technically your title, but you you run Messenger. What's the biggest difference between being a CEO below the CEO mm -hmm. versus you know the the guy who has to be on the earnings call every week or every quarter? Well, not being on the earnings call. <laughs> <That's, laughs> okay, there's one obvious one. Uh, no, I mean, but 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 it's actually that. It's, you know, you get to work with your team and with other teams that we also work very closely with, whether it's uh, the advertise the ads team here or the, the global marketing solutions team here or other platform teams uh, at Facebook. But you work with your team and you get to come to work every day and you get to actually dream of the things that you want to build in a product that touches the lives of 1.2 billion mm -hmm. people. And you do that with the absolute best infrastructure anywhere in terms of the ability. I mean, we ship a new version of Messenger every week for Android, for iOS, and all of the languages that we support across the world. And so the ability to build capabilities, to build a product at that scale with that velocity mm -hmm. uh, and focus most of your time on that rather than all of the externally externalities of you know running a, a large company right. it's great it's just uh it's a very rewarding thing to actually really focus on that do you, do you guys have a nickname so there's um you know when a private company gets a billion dollar valuation they're a unicorn right i don't think there's a nickname for like a billion user <laughs> product you guys just call it. Where do, do you walk around? Do you get to like walk around campus with like an "I'm a billionaire" mug or something like that? <laughs> no, I, I don't think that would work very that well one, with our that culture. One fly here. We'll no. have to come up. We'll come up with a name uh, after this. One of the very first things you guys did. So, so you leave PayPal. Here you are at Facebook. Uh, Zuckerberg sells you on this this great platform vision for what he has for Messenger. Uh, one of the first things you did was pretty much anger all the Messenger users because uh, not you specifically, but. Messenger got pulled out of the Facebook app and people were like, whoa, now we have to download this mobile app. What was that experience like for you? Because you had just joined, I believe, when that had happened. Were you sitting there going, uh, what's going on? Or were you pretty confident? Like, what was the backlash like? No, so so first of all, this was a decision that was already made uh, during that summer and I knew it was going to happen. Um, and yes, the backlash was very real. But I think that it was a, a very, very clever move for many, many reasons. Like, number one, you cannot be a first, a, a main, a core messaging app because it's a top intent for people to go to your phone and tap on that icon and message people or receive messages. If you're actually embedded in an app that's already very big and, and, and has a bunch of functionality attached to it, you can't win. And so uh, the whole concept of separating uh, Messenger had two objectives. One was actually to create uh, a really best-in-class messaging experience. 
Two was actually that, you know, when you message one another, you need to make sure that the person on the other end responds really, really quickly. And if you don't have push notifications turned on for the entire network, it just doesn't work. People miss messages, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And if they miss messages, then you text them or you use whatever other mechanisms that you have at your disposal to actually message them. And the, the second order network effect of like uh, even a few people not responding is are really, really bad for a messaging app. So... That enabled us to actually really get to a place where like almost every single person using Messenger has push notification turn, turned on, which is not the case on Facebook. And it also enabled us to decouple the code base so that we could iterate really, really quickly and build products and capabilities much faster, as yeah. you've seen. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that a, someone inside the building would certainly know. For those outside the building, that wasn't as clear, right? Uh, was there ever a moment where you said, oh my gosh, what have we done? Uh, you know, I'm seeing all these people no. who are freaking out. You were no. never concerned. No, I mean, look, uh, this whole thing app happened, I think it was my week two or three here. Yeah. Uh, and so I had to deal with my first crisis. Welcome to like, Facebook. Yeah, right? It was great. Yeah. But the reality, though, is I knew this was the right thing. And I actually really appreciated the fact that uh, I joined a company that had the foresight and the courage to make a hard decision to deliver a better product experience, even though it wasn't evident for most people at the time. And when you look back, if you look at the number of messages that were sent on the Facebook messaging stack when it was part of Facebook and the number of messages that are sent on Messenger, it's not even close, right? So people are more engaged. They send more messages. They're starting to make Messenger, for some uh, of us, our main primary messaging app rather than this thing that it used to be for your friends you didn't have a phone number for. Uh, so it it is changing. It is working. It was the right decision. Uh, I think we executed decently well on it and uh and the results are are here yeah we're going to talk about them in just a second but i'm going to take a quick break uh, for a word from our sponsors and this is my boss kara swisher thanks kurt this show is brought to you by squarespace make your next move with a beautiful website from squarespace their award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online Create a beautiful website or online store with Squarespace's all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. They'll set you up with a unique domain, and they provide award-winning 24-7 customer support. Squarespace is used by a wide range of creatives, people, and businesses, musicians, designers, artists, restaurants, and more. So make your next move with Squarespace. Use the offer code RECODE for 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's offer code RECODE for a 10% off your first purchase at squarespace.com. I want to tell you about Too Embarrassed to Ask, my other podcast, which I host with Lauren Good from The Verge. Hey, Kara Swisher. How you doing? Every You're fr- my favorite person on Twitter. <laughs> I just I want to let you know. Yeah, okay. I'm the only person that responds to you on Twitter. That's the issue. Anyway, That's every Friday true. we answer your questions about consumer tech. Lauren, what did we talk about last week? Speaking of Twitter, we yeah. had Peter Kafka from Recode on mm-hmm. the show again. It's always great when he comes on. And we talked about Twitter's live streaming video efforts. The Interesting company stuff. announced a and what bunch they're trying of to do. 
Yeah, they uh, recently announced a bunch of partnerships with media companies. They're planning on introducing some 24-7 live streaming video um, from these partners. And we talked about what kind of value that's going to add to Twitter, whether that sort of thing is really going to work for Twitter. A lot of things. Um, it's our umpteenth time at this. It was a really great discussion, and we hope you'll go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. Or see you on Twitter. And now back to you, Kurt. Thanks, Kara. I'm here at Facebook headquarters, the classic campus with David Marcus, who runs messaging products for Facebook. We were just talking about the decision to take messaging, create its own app. Uh, You alluded to how this has kind of been able to let you guys build all kinds of features, uh, which I want to get into now. The way that I kind of think about Messenger, and I want you to correct me or or tell me how great my, my idea is. I know it's super original. A lot of people are looking at a WeChat, which is in China, for those who aren't familiar. It's a, it's a messaging app, but it does so much more, right? People are paying their bills, they're booking travel, they're going shopping, and they're doing it all within one central app. Um, I think when people think about the messenger strategy, I know I do, I kind of think of that. I think of that's kind of what you guys are aiming for. Is that right? Uh, you know, How do you, I guess, describe what you guys want to accomplish here? Well, I think it's a, it's a bit different than WeChat. And, and the reason is that when WeChat started building capabilities, um, they were the app in China where uh, everyone was. And everyone was using WeChat for communications, and then they built this whole platform uh, and ecosystem around it. And basically, there's no such thing as dedicated apps to perform those tasks. Uh, here it's a little different because we had uh, we have a vibrant app ecosystem and for all of those things that you are going to use regularly right. as in daily or weekly then you're going to most likely have an app, right? And and uh, it's not the case in China like you want to hail uh, a taxi or something, you know, you do it from WeChat right. here. You don't you have, have the Uber, Uber app separate. Um, yeah, right. And uh, and so for those things, I feel that like we, we are at a point where like it's pretty clear that apps are the way to do this. And so our approach is actually uh, somewhat differentiated in the sense that we have 1.2 billion people using the product every month. And on the other side of the network, we have 70 million businesses that are active on the Facebook network on pages. And if you look at the interactions between people and businesses right now, uh, they're still fairly broken. And the vast majority, 65% of the interactions that are not in person between businesses and people are still conducted over the phone, which is very unpleasant for us consumers and very costly and impractical for businesses as well. And so the real question here is, as a baseline, can we reinvent how people interact with businesses and services? And if it's services, then what are those services that are actually not making making the cut of like that home screen of yours for apps right. and that could work inside of a conversation in Messenger where you have identity of both parties and you have all of these tools that we've built on the platform. When you describe it that way, it sounds a little customer service focused. Is that by design? Is, is that just one use case in your mind? Is that the biggest use case? 
Well, actually, it's not only customer service. Clearly, customer service is product market fit because no one likes to call a large company and stay on the phone for 15 sure. minutes. Like it's got a bunch of disadvantages. Like it's synchronous and not instantaneous. Like you have to stay on the phone. You can't put it down and go do something because you know the other person is going to pick up the phone at the time you're going to put it down and they're going to hang up on you. It happened to us many, many times. Yep. And so messaging has... Uh, a lot of advantages like one is it's instant but asynchronous and you've got notifications to bring you back when um, it's yeah. worthy you can of go your live your life basically while you're yeah. waiting on and it's got identity United. and it's got context unlike email by the way that doesn't have context every time you start a new conversation it's a new thread uh, so it's got a lot of advantages where actually customer service on messenger is probably an order of magnitude better than calling or emailing a company but that's not the goal, right? When I, I talk about interactions between businesses and people, you have all kinds of different interactions. And now more and more, you see companies thinking about customer journey. And customer journey starts from consideration, goes all the way through you know, customer acquisition, through servicing, uh, and through providing the actual service, uh, because servicing can have two two definitions, uh, which are actually providing the actual service that you've sold uh, or are offering for free and actually providing customer service. And all of these lines are blurred. The whole notion of the phone tree of you wanting to, you know, press one for the sales department, press two for customer service. It's, I mean, you consumers don't think about it that way. They just want to interact with a company. And it so turns out that sometimes they interact with a company to buy something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes... They are subscribed to something and they get value from it, uh, from the content or the service. And sometimes they just need help, which is customer service. So customer service is only one small part, important, essential part of what we're building. But not the whole thing. So how do you change the mindset then, right? Like if you ideally, if I'm going to talk with a brand about a recent purchase, um, my gut instinct is to pick up the phone and call, Um, maybe send an email. I don't think to say I want to find that brand on Messenger and and basically text That's right. them. Yeah. How do you change that? How do you get people to say, oh, yeah, I should go to Messenger for this? Well, there are two ways of doing this. The first one is to actually get people to start their intent of finding businesses and communicating with businesses and interacting with them on Messenger. You need to have enough of those businesses and you need to have had enough interactions. I need to be there when I go to look for them, right? I mean, exactly. And and you need to have had an, enough interactions be, in the past because we know how hard it is to build new habits, right? So unless you've had like six, seven, eight, a dozen, whatever it's going to take, interactions with businesses on Messenger, you're not going to start going to Messenger to find those businesses. So there are two angles to that. One is actually uh, more and more getting businesses to direct people to Messenger from properties that they own. So in your case, if you're thinking about a business, you're most likely going to go to their website and try to find their phone number, the contact page or something. And so we have plugins there that in one tap can take you from there to a conversation in Messenger. Uh, And now more and more what we're also doing is if you call a company, they could send you a text message and say, hey, skip the line and chat with us right now. Here's an m.me URL. You tap on it and you get into a conversation in Messenger. Got it. Uh, And then so that's like the on the companies to basically do that. And then on the other side of it, what we're doing and what we announced at F8 is we are now rolling out a discover surface inside of Messenger where you'll see all of these businesses and gradually, when you go there, uh, 
and, and combined with the first part of the effort, which is absolutely essential, we think that over time we can build that habit. And the nice component of this, which makes me think that we're actually going to be successful at this, is that businesses are actually having unbelievable business results. Uh, when it, uh, you look at large mobile operators that are increasing their customer satisfaction by 65% by providing service on Messenger. Uh, you look at conversion rates for people who are acquiring new customers that are 3x as high as redirecting to a mobile web page. And you start thinking, okay, you know, we, the, the thread, the conversation is the place that is going to deliver all of that customer journey uh, interaction yeah. and lift for the business over time. Right? Do, you, do you guys, have you thought of, like, are businesses excited about the idea of directing people to kind of a new destination? I imagine that, that at the very least, the phone and the email stuff, they probably got down, right? Or maybe they're not good at it, but they at least know how to do it. Do you have to, you know, is there any thought of like, hey, we're going to incentivize you financially to use something like this? Or is it just simply it will be a better experience. The best financial incentive that businesses can have is driving better outcomes for themselves. And that's what's happening. So it's hard at first because you need to think about your operations and the way yep. you run things a little bit differently. Sometimes you need to uh, work with third parties to add automation. But the, the lift that they're seeing, whether it's conversion for acquiring new customers or customer satisfaction lift on providing customer service is such that it's become a no-brainer for almost every business out for there. For them to use it. Yeah. A year ago, or a little more than a year ago, you guys started rolling out bots, uh, like a bot platform mm -hmm. to basically automate some of this interaction that we're talking about, right? I think I've heard you, and I believe I've heard Zuck say that, hey, you know, these bot things have been maybe a little overhyped. I know there was a lot of talk when they when you guys first announced it. People were like, "Oh, we're going to talk to a human level, you know, AI," and and they ended up getting something a lot less than that. Mm -hmm. What did you learn from the bot rollout uh, from a year ago? Well, I think that it's always interesting to see how enthusiastic people can get when you open a platform that was then you know, leading to 900 million people on the other side. Uh, it, it generates a lot of excitement. Yeah, there was a lot of excitement around <laughs> um, that. And then uh, the, the learning is really that if you're trying to push for something that has a different user experience and user interface, then uh, you have to assume that there's going to be a, a learning phase of trying to find out what's the right balance of the different elements that you can put into a conversation to make the experience awesome. Mm -hmm. And at first, everyone, to your point, over-rotated on, okay, this is actually the power of the conversation and everything needs to be conversational. Uh, and the reality is, if you can tap on a button that has a word in it, rather than typing it, you'd much rather do that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so the learning was, we needed to educate the whole ecosystem. We needed to build all kinds of different capabilities on the platform. And, you know, since the first F8, we've had like five major releases of the platform that uh, added a lot of capabilities around UI elements and native elements and payments capabilities and more. And, uh, and we've built a huge ecosystem of 100,000 developers that are building on the platform right now. And we've put in place systems 
uh, and community systems yeah. so that we can share all of the learnings as a big community of developers and uh, and the results are here now and and I think also the the one thing that I'd say is that the intention was never to say to everyone you need to build a bot a bot is actually a, a term we use very freely with developers as I mean to say you can automate some of those uh, interactions people consumers like don't want bots or interacting with bots what they want is interacting with businesses or services and they really don't care whether it's automated or not automated whether it's actually a bot or not a bot they just want a great experience and so uh, I think from that standpoint clarifying that if you're a business you can either completely manage whatever flow you want to manage manually with you know people uh, or you can automate some of it or all of it depending on what drives the best outcome for you and your customers and mm-hmm. provides the best consumer experience and and that's that's a much better framing of what it is that we're actually doing than um, having to think about bots as this thing that comes after that replaces all human right. conversation right. Uh, is there a downside to that over rotation? Like, was there a user uh, frustration? Like, hey, I thought this bot was going to be great, and now I've given up on bots. Or a developer no. thing? What have you? No, I mean, look, that's uh, one of the biggest pushback that we had from the community, the developer community, is, hey, guys, like, why don't you have a discover surface inside of Messenger? Right, hard to find the bots, basically. Yeah, and and the whole point was let's first get great experiences on the platform, then let's build a discover surface because to your point, you don't want to lead many people to uh, experiences that are far from perfect. And that's why we took so long to actually build a discover surface because we wanted to make sure we all had the learnings, we all built all the right capabilities to deliver great user experiences. And I think, by the way, this is not done, right? We're in a much better place, but we still have ways to go to create like massively delightful mm-hmm. experiences. Uh, there are some on, some on the platform, and the number of like really cool experiences is, is really growing, especially around driving business objectives for for companies and uh, and and delighting users, customers yeah. on the other side of it because it's easier for them to do things. What what is the most popular? use case for bots right now is there is there a certain thing that either caught you off guard or you're like oh we didn't think people would would use it in this way well i I mean what we've seen is actually that a lot of the experiences that have to do uh, with core interactions with businesses uh, whether it's for commerce uh, plus customer service or customer service and then commerce are actually working quite well. Uh, brand activation stuff is working really, really well. So, like, you know, I gave a bunch of different examples, but Absolute is one that I keep on coming back with because they had this campaign where they were giving away free drinks. Yeah. Everyone loves free drinks. Exactly. That's a right. It's a popular yeah. thing, right? And uh, the original one was Facebook ad to mobile web page. And they tried to do a Facebook ad to Messenger. So you click on an ad and newsfeed brings you to Messenger. Bring you to Messenger, brings you to a thread. You have this virtual bartender you're having a, a pseudo conversation with. You pick your drink, you say you're the city you're in, 
uh, and then you get a, a code that you show up uh, with at the bar and uh, and you get a free drinks a free drink and they've seen like three x redemption rates um, so yeah, free drinks that's free that's drinks <laughs> no, but like you would that's why I use this example so much because it's like it's a free drink so you would assume that even there like you know yeah. like you, a lot of people would go even on mobile web right and three x more free drinks. Uh, so and and I can I can go on and on like you know there are a, a bunch of examples with uh, with uh, uh, subscription based services where companies have actually built the end to end experience inside of Messenger rather than redirecting to an app mm-hmm. and they've seen massive lift in in conversion as well. So you don't just have to give away free alcohol to. No, it's not the only thing. No. What you're saying. Great. I want to. Got plenty more questions, but we're going to take another quick break. We're going to send it over to Kara Swisher once again. Thanks, Kurt. This podcast is brought to you by SoFi. Whether you want to cut your credit card debt, pay for home improvement, or cover a big purchase, a personal loan from SoFi is the easiest way to make your goals happen. From low rates to no hidden fees, SoFi is a new financial company that is all about helping you save money. Plus, when you pay off your existing credit card debt with a personal loan from SoFi, you may even raise your credit score, too. Find your rate in just two minutes. Get started at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit SOFI.com slash legal for more information. Loans originated by SOFI Lending Corp and are not available in all states. Thank you, Kara. Uh, We're back again with David Marcus, who's the head of messaging uh, and messenger at Facebook. Uh, We're here at Facebook headquarters. So you were just telling me all about how I could get some free vodka, which sounds pretty nice but you really uh, like this you you know your audience you picked a really great uh, example but i want to talk a little bit about payments because this is what you did before you Mm -hmm. came to facebook when you and i last spoke actually i asked you about payments and you were like no we've told you a million times we're not doing payments we're doing ads that's how we're going to make money from this thing and i wrote a story and people were still surprised like i I, there is still this belief that you're going to set up a uh, conversation between me and Nordstrom. I'm going to order a pair of pants and buy them right within Messenger and, and Facebook, or in this case, Messenger might take a little cut of that. You guys don't want to do that. Why is that bad business? Well, it's not necessarily a bad business. It's just that the goal here is to help businesses grow their business. And when you help a business grow their business, it's a much better business lots of businesses in the yes. sentence, then uh, just taking a cut at the very end of the funnel, which is A, a very different conversation, B, uh, a smaller, much smaller cut than you know advertising per se, because like a, a new customer from the top of the funnel is actually way more valuable than uh, an optimization at the bottom of the funnel. And so in your example, actually, which like those things are already happening right now, like for instance, take all of the merchants that are on the Shopify platform right now have a presence on Messenger and by default. And you can actually go there and look at products and buy products and do all these things. And uh, and it's working really well, especially as a re-engagement channel for, for those companies. But the goal here is that if we create a space inside of Messenger threads slash conversations for businesses... And, and we create value for them, then they will buy ads to open more of these conversations and then invest in that space, which is theirs, to actually provide a, a, an awesome experience yeah. to, to people. And, and that's way more valuable than just 
closing the loop at the end. And so the, the one thing I'd say is that we're continuing to invest in payments because we want to make sure that we can remove friction from that funnel. And we want to make sure that we can like really create a, a, a flow of things that uh, that is uninterrupted. You don't want me to have to leave right? to go actually finish that purchase. Yeah, because otherwise you're like, you know, you're in an engaged experience inside of yeah. a messenger conversation and then you have to leave it it breaks right so we have to have the best possible payments experience inside of messenger that doesn't mean that it will be our business model gotcha and so the way that it works now i know that i could send you money we could do peer-to-peer right. uh, we could get in a group of people and, and send each other money yep am i paying nordstrom for my pants right within messenger right now yeah you are Okay, and so I mean, not specifically not, not specifically me uh, or Nordstrom, but are people doing that? Like, is yeah, it, yeah. Like, can you tell us how many people are doing that? No, we're not sharing <laughs> those numbers, but uh, but no, it's it's definitely happening, and uh, and we have two modes of payments. By the way, we have what we call a payment bubble, which is very appropriate for reorders. So, let's say you're buying, I don't know, um, shaving blades or sure. something. And you know exactly what you want. Then, like getting a ping like once a month uh, from whomever you're buying your your blades from, uh, and you tap in, in one tap you pay is very convenient inside of that bubble. And the other thing that we've done is also extend native payments to our enhanced mobile web views, so that like you're in a conversation and within that conversation in Messenger you load a web view and you can determine the height of that web view to still remain in context of the conversation you're in with that business and you see a problem product and you want to buy it uh, and so you plug it we what we did is we plugged into the existing checkout flows that those businesses have and bring just a sheet that's actually native to messenger at the time of payment to really remove all of yeah. the friction so so payments aren't necessarily how you will make money directly but you're saying this is still a huge priority in terms of like where you guys are putting time and resources yeah because again like if we if we drive business outcomes for businesses at a higher rate then uh, those businesses will want to open more right. of these conversations and as a result will buy ads to open these conversations yeah. so moving then to ads because that is how you guys are you're starting to experiment with revenue it's obviously how facebook makes almost all of its money you know Ads within a messaging inbox that, that in a way feels more like a personal space, at least for me, right? A lot of my private messages feel different than my Facebook news feed where I know that I'm sharing to friends or I'm reading from friends. How do you kind of walk that line? I mean, are you guys, I imagine you've thought about this, but like how are you thinking about making sure that you can give someone a targeted ad that's relevant but also not freak them out because it's all of a sudden showing up next to their text with their grandmother or whatever. <laughs> um, I don't do grandmas use Messenger? I imagine some do. Yeah, of course. Of course. So uh, two things. So first is the the first part of this are actually newsfeed ads that open conversations. And this is already out since late last year. And a lot of advertisers right. are buying those ads and directing. You mentioned that earlier, messenger. right? You click on newsfeed, it right. kicks you right into Messenger. Right. And, and when you pause for a second and you think about it, the the capabilities that we have when it comes to targeting the right audience for an advertiser and then going from a, a group, a targeted audience to one-on-one -on -one conversations, whether they're automated or not, is like pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Like the combina that combination is like really awesome and very powerful. And so that, then the question is, okay, um, that's the demand side of the advertising model. Can we create more supply uh, for 
Facebook inside of Messenger. And, uh, and that's uh, 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 something we thread very carefully with to the point that you raised earlier, because we want to make sure that when people see ads inside of Messenger, it feels like it's adding value to them and not subtracting value. I think that I actually really feel pretty passionate about this. It's, you know, ads sometimes have a bad rap with people. It's like, oh, no, no ads, right? Right. But actually, the right ad at the right time for something you deeply care about is adding value. It's not subtracting value. And not all ads are bad. Like if it's an ad that's like not for you, then it's a bad ad and you never want to see it. Yeah. But if it's the right thing at the right time, it actually provides value. And so the question is, how do we, uh, how do, we do this in a way that's additive and not subtractive of yeah. value for people? Would you consider like an ad-free version of Messenger? Like, hey, if, you, if you, this just freaks you out, regardless of how accurate you think you can be with the ads, you can use Messenger ad-free for, you know, whatever, two bucks a month or three bucks a month. Well, traditionally, we haven't done that at Facebook, right. so, so unlikely. W- would you? Uh, uh, unlikely. So you can't opt out. In that no, way. we just have to make it an awesome experience. And, uh, and, I, and I think we have many opportunities. We have a discover surface that's rolling out. And uh, in that discover surface, it's going to feel very organic for businesses to have sponsored placements. We, we don't have that right mm-hmm. this right now, and uh, we're not even actively working on this right now, but it's a logical step forward. And as we've shared with you, we're testing some form of ads in the inbox uh, in Australia and Thailand right now. And we'll see where it, it, where we go. But like we're, we're being very deliberate and very thoughtful about this because we don't ever want to get in the way of you sending the message that you want to send really quickly uh, and performance is a big deal uh, and we never want to get in the way of you actually seeing a message that's mm-hmm. uh, getting going uh, to you so it's it's not easy to do but we feel pretty confident that we can get to a good equilibrium with this we've um, talked about a lot of different things uh, bots payments now advertising you guys have obviously built a huge audience on other people's operating systems, right? I mean, I'm using an iPhone, I'm using iOS uh, or Android or whatever. Um, But I also, I will say, I also do the vast majority of my messaging through iMessage, partly because it's just built into the phone. Would you ever consider like doing an OS, you know, taking a run at Facebook phone 2.0 or something like that, where you actually control that ecosystem? Not that I can imagine in the near future, no. I think... um, the real question here, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as Messenger is concerned, is can we build an ecosystem that serves the purpose of enhanced messaging? And when I say enhanced messaging, it means that you can do all kinds of different things that you can't do anywhere else. So for instance, right now, group video chats are extremely popular on Messenger, and mm-hmm. people are using it more and more, and that drives even more engagement, not only on the video chats, but also on messaging. And you can apply effects while you're in video chats like masks and all kinds of there's a lot of startups right now that seem to be hot in that same space yeah but like but but the thing is actually when you think about like group video chats with effects i don't think that there's anything that operates at the scale we operate on messenger that enables you to do that with like all of your friends because they're all on the same platform so this is really an area that we're doubling down on and we're investing on because we 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 see that people really enjoy that real-time yeah. communication uh, vehicle. And so there's all of that. Uh, there's all of the visual messaging and the enhanced messaging that we've 
gotten to a, a better place with our new camera and all kinds of different things. And so that's one angle. And the other angle is just back to the question that you asked is, can we actually be this place that connects all of the businesses and services that are already on Facebook to the 1.2 billion people using Messenger? And can we do it in a way where the experience for people is an order or two orders of magnitude better than what it currently is? Because it's like the baseline is really bad right now. And as a result, can we drive engagement not only on the people-to-people side of things and group side of things, versus, and, and, but also on the, on the business side of things? Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you think about this, then it becomes a platform uh, in itself that's uh, that's connecting that's making all of the most important connections in your day to day life so basically you get, you can accomplish what you want to do without owning the operating system is what it sounds like yeah a couple months ago, you guys rolled out a stories feature mm-hmm. Instagram has one whatsapp has one Facebook has one now you have one. How does something like that come about right because i mean at, at I think at first Instagram was first. I feel like I remember them saying, maybe it was to me or maybe I just read about it, but they were kind of like, oh, no, this is our, like, we just saw stories and we thought it fit with Instagram and we wanted to go for it. Mm-hmm. But then when it showed up in basically every one of Facebook's products, it seemed like it was like, okay, this is clearly an orchestrated effort, at least in terms of, like, making this product a big deal. How does something like that work, you know, in terms of Messenger? Like, does Mark call you up and say, hey, <laughs> your turn, you know, get no, that's stories not, going. That's not the way, the way it worked. So actually we were working and we've been working on this for a while. And uh, independently of any coordination or coordinated efforts uh, across Instagram and Messenger. And I mean, the it, seems pretty, I, it seems pretty no, coincidental it, that no, you guys it, would it, all it, be working on it at the same time. No, no, but like, it is a thing, like a format that's, actually deserves to be, I think, in a core messaging app because having context of what your friends are up to makes for much better conversations and makes for conversations that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And so we've been working on this for actually a long time. And then Instagram went and then we went and WhatsApp went at approximately yeah. the same, uh, same time, I think a couple of weeks apart. But, but the bottom line is, it's a format, and it's a format that people enjoy, uh, and that's complementary to the other formats that we have, whether it's feed or messaging. Uh, and the way that we're optimizing our product is actually specifically around messaging, and you'll see more and more of that in the in the months to come, where it's going to feel even more integrated inside your messaging experience. Yeah. It feels different, though, right? Because a lot of messaging really is like, if if it's not one to one, at least you're very specifically broadcasting or sharing with you know a couple people. You know you Correct. and I are in a group text with Mark, and I know that I'm sharing to you and him. Yep. This is more mass broadcast, if you will, um, in that I, you know I know you can set the settings to see who sees it and whatnot, but really you're you're kind of putting it out there and saying, hey, anybody that I'm friends with can come check this out. It feels like a different way of sharing for Messenger. Does it feel different? for you yeah and and i but i think the the real question is 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 the point that you're raising specifically do people want to share with a smaller targeted audience in a messaging product and the goal here is not like mass feedback of the number of people who've seen your story but actually valuable 
connections and conversations that are happening because of the content that you're posting. And that's the focus, right? It's the focus here right now is to actually evolve, continue, because as you know, like we built something and we continue to evolve it, to evolve the product to become more and more this conversation starter for you. And the ultimate goal for you would be meaningful conversations, not necessarily the the number of people watching Got it. Uh, what you just posted. So because you saw what I posted on my my story, or you guys call it a day, it's called Messenger Day, right? Yep. So because you saw that I was at Facebook HQ or something, that might prompt you to send me a message. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are messages up? Like, I mean, is it is it working in that way or is it too soon to tell? It's too soon to tell, but like for me personally, I can share that I've had like a number of conversations on Messenger that I wouldn't have had if it wasn't for the product. Okay and meaningful good conversation and i'm not making this up for the sake of this no but you're but this i wouldn't i'd be shocked if you had said anything other than that but i but it's it's the truth it's it's like yeah it can be both it can be the truth and it could also be you know good for for messenger day so um we have just a few more minutes i want to ask you a little bit about whatsapp whatsapp is the other messaging service that facebook owns how closely do you guys work together? I mean, is it, do you and Jan, the, the CEO of WhatsApp, get together and, and share notes or strategy? Are you working in tandem? Like, what's the relationship like? No, we definitely talk and spend time together. Uh, but we're, we're running uh, those two products fairly independently, actually completely independently. And, you know, I think we, we use a lot of common sense to get as much learnings as we can from one another. But uh, we're running fairly independently. Okay. So what kind of stuff, like, you know, how often might you get together? What, what's an example of maybe something you would talk about or work together with? Well, right now there's none because, okay. again, we're running independently. But there are a, a ton of learnings. So uh, we have a ton of uh, learnings to share around video and all kinds of different things around real time. They have a ton of learnings to share with us, and they did when we launched encryption uh, inside of Messenger, mm-hmm. and they they started working on it like a year before we did. So they had a lot of learnings that were super helpful for us. In the next couple of years, I think there's going to be a ton of learnings around like you know how we've opened a platform, and we have a lot of learnings with businesses and how we make that successful. And hopefully, uh, you know, there's going to be valuable learnings yeah. for them as they start that phase. Do you think there's going to be overlap ultimately in terms of you know the the services that you guys are building to connect people with businesses? Do you think that they'll kind of take a lot of that as well down the road, or, or are they not thinking about that yet? I, I, I think it's too soon to tell, but it's probable that uh, over time those things will look Show similar. Up in both. Right. David, thank you so much for being here. Thank this you. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to throw it back to Kara Swisher one more time so that she can tell all of our listeners, that'd be you, where they can find more podcasts just like this one. Thanks again to Facebook's David Marcus for coming to the podcast and to Recode Senior Social Media Editor Kurt Wagner for conducting the interview. You can find all of Kurt's outstanding coverage at recode.net. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews we've done with Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg, Rafter founder Sue Decker, and Flipboard CEO Mike McHugh, just to name a few. You can find all those episodes and more wherever you found this one or on our website, recode.net slash podcasts. Now that you're done with this, check out our one of our other shows. On Recode Media with Peter Kafka, you'll hear no BS interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. 
I host Too Embarrassed to Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the upcoming Code Conference, which has an amazing stellar list of speakers. Thanks to Digital Media, the company that distributes this show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thanks to our producer, Eric Johnson. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then. <laughs>